0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. We're in 2 uh, Peter again today. So if you've got your Bible, head over to Second Peter. Lord willing, we should finish up uh, chapter one today, and you're welcome. I know you wanted to say thank you, so I'll just go ahead and say you're welcome first. It's a five-page handout today, so you're welcome. And we've already closed the doors. It's too late to leave, so that's all right. (laughs) I love you guys. You going challenge me on that one, Justin? <laughs> yeah, you, and then I'll send somebody after you go drag your butt back in here, so. <laughs> and I won't pay them. <laughs> all right, let's start like we do each week. We'll uh, read through uh, from the beginning of 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, up through the end of our text. Uh, so that means today, that is all of. Uh, 2nd Peter chapter 1 So 2nd Peter chapter 1 Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ To those who have obtained like precious faith with us By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ Grace and peace be multiplied to you In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord As His divine power has given to us all things That pertain to life and godliness Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self control, to self control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, That no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's answer a couple of questions about today's text. So, any literary or structural observations uh, in today's text, verses 16 through 21. So who's he talking to? Is he talking to the they or is he talking to us? He's talking to us today still, right? So he's, he's, he, he's about to transition. <laughs> he, we're, we are getting ready to fully and completely directly confront a whole lot of false teaching, which is basically chapter 2. Uh, but in chapter 1, he is setting up uh, and the basis for his argument that he's going to bounce off of in chapters 2 and 3. Uh, yes, sir. Yep. We're going to answer that question because can you ask that question again in 13 minutes, 14 minutes, something like that? Awesome. There you go. The uh, so the most repeated words in Second Peter. So the first blank there is what you remember from last week and the week before and the week before. Will. Right? So Peter is hes declaring things to be, this is going to happen, this will occur, this will occur, this will occur. And then the second blank there is the word know, K-N-O-W. So this idea, this knowledge, um, which is directly in fact tied to the prophetic word. Um, so the most repeated words in today's text, in verses 16 through 21. So there's a lot of our and we and he and him and his he's uh, just talking about the Lord um, but the blank there is prophecy the blank there is prophecy and if if I guess if I had a goal um, in education you can have learning objectives uh, for uh, teaching time and they can be knowledge objectives they can be emotionally oriented objectives, they can be action oriented objectives that you know how to do a particular skill uh, last week was likely a an action-oriented objective with uh, blueletterbible.org. Uh, so where I had you pull out your phones, and we clicked buttons, and we walked through, this is how these tools work. And if you missed that, then uh, I would encourage you to go back, because it's it's one of the basis for uh, the construction of how we do Sunday school in, in our class. Uh, but today, there very much for me is a emotional objective that I want you to come to a a firm resolute competence uh, that you are not scared of prophecy uh, because many times when i hear the word prophecy in in my christian past i have gone oh okay this is just this is like this fuzzy mystical stuff and well it, it, i just i want to make sure that we get really clear on what uh, the bible is talking about here what peter is addressing at the end of chapter one so uh, that blank there for one of the most repeated words in this text is prophecy, and we're going to look at that quite a bit today. So let's jump in and look at what the words mean. So we're in verse 16 at the bottom of your handout there on page 12. Uh, for we did not follow, or to imitate, or to yield to cunningly devised fables. And if, if, if he said we didn't yield to cunningly devised fables, what does that mean about cunningly devised fables? They're, they exist, right? And they are options to be yielded to. Uh, so if if we think about what are, uh, if he's going to draw a contrast about cunningly devised fables, and the section here is the trustworthy prophetic word. So these would be things that are not found in the prophetic word. Uh, this word for cunningly devised is uh, sophizo. uh It's where we get our English word sophisms. Uh, and the idea is these are these little uh, pithy statements that are very true sounding, uh, but the next word is quite important in the Greek because it's mythos. These are these are fables. Uh, these are stories that are are not true. They are not helpful. When we made known, so who's the we making known? So who, who's the writer here of Second Peter? Uh, not John, uh, right? <laughs> Yay, we're awake today. Uh, Peter is the author of Second Peter. Uh, but who was the we? Who was Peter with when he was making known things? Yeah, other apostles, right? I mean, this is the uh, these are the the apostles that were responsible for uh, the caretaking of and the communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so he said, "We were uh, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power the dunamis this." Uh, strength this violent uh, miracle working work and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you've got a blank after the word coming there. Uh see uh the word is uh, Advent. And and in, in case you've ever wondered uh why we call Christmas the season of Advent, that's where the word Advent means. It means coming. It means this is the arrival of something. Uh and that is the celebration of the arrival of Jesus Christ. But um, as much as we celebrate the the initial arrival of Jesus Christ, I promise you there will be a uh, a rather substantial influence on the world when the next Advent occurs. Uh, so I, I do find it I find it amusing sometimes, and I find it disheartening sometimes that that we take something that the Bible actually doesn't tell us to go and celebrate and celebrate the just to the nth degree, uh, about the birth of Jesus Christ, and the amount of text in the New Testament that talks about this next coming, this next coming, this next coming, is quite substantial. Uh, And there will be great celebration in heaven, uh, both before we get there and after we get there, uh, because of this next advent, this parousia. So, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of... What's the next word? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is going to be something I hit on quite a bit today, uh, especially when we get to verse uh, 20. Uh, But this idea of our common, our Lord Jesus Christ. But were, so he's transitioning here, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Um, We were onlookers. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty so when when would peter have seen the majesty of jesus was there ever an event where peter just went like wow that was incredible there were a few right i mean like jesus did some truly spectacular amazing things but was there one that he just went what in the world? I have never seen anything. Thisa, you are about to explode back there. Would you like to illuminate what we are talking about here? And I picked that word on purpose. Yes the the trans there's a there's a Bible joke in there, so it's okay. Um, the transfiguration, right? And what happened to the transfiguration? Right the the uh, somehow or another, and it, the Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail, and I I love when it doesn't sometimes because it just leaves some things mysterious. Because some of this is just mysterious. Uh, and let mysteries be mysteries um, hi my name is Jim uh, we can so over academic something that it no longer has its brilliance and glory and mystery to it uh, so what happened the Bible says is that uh, they saw the glory of Jesus Christ um, and it it messed with them for a while and they, they were not the same uh, so He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So what's he contrasting this, the eyewitness of his majesty with earlier in verse 16? So you see, we didn't follow after cunningly devised fables, but we were eyewitnesses of something incredibly real. Right? So, So I want to make sure we transition from the like stop chasing fables to testify of things that are real see the contrast here before we go any further because this is an important contrast because if you miss this the next couple verses won't make a whole lot of sense so verse 17 uh, and i put the greek word of the of majesty in there just because i wanted you to see the first four letters of it what's the first four letters of the greek word for majesty mega right so this is do you have to know much about greek to know kind of the spirit of this word it's it's big right this is very big. This is a whole lot of superbness, magnificence, majesty, this mighty power. I love that it's combined in this verse with the the dunamis up in the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received, he, uh, he took in, he held from God the Father honor, uh, Timae. You don't pronounce it time, Justin, in case you're wondering there. So, all right. Uh, time and glory this is doxa when such a when such a voice uh, phone. uh, this is these this tone anything that you could hear uh, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory so sometimes sometimes when you uh, see miraculous works in the scripture there are people who try to take the things that are presented in a very concrete way and uh, turned them into metaphors or some type of a. Well, this not didn't really happen, right? This was something else. This is illustrative of something that might have happened like this. So, what's the what's the word that Peter uses for voice? When a, a phone, when a voice, a noise came, that there was a voice that came from heaven that said what. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the this is is present indicative. It is not subjunctive. It is not I wish him to be this. It is indicative. It is a statement of fact. This is not up for debate. Because God the Father used an indicative. And the indicative is what you use when you believe the words that you are saying are true. Period. Not that you hope for them to be true one day, or you have a wish for them to be true one day, but they are true. So the Father makes a declaration, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And your blank thereafter pleased is approve, uh, to think well of or to approve. So he is looking at Jesus Christ and he's saying, I approve. And the interesting thing here is that uh, Jesus is the only man God the Father has ever declared with a voice from heaven out loud to say, I approve, which is great, which means I don't have to meet that standard because somebody else already did. And this is wonderful news. This is really, really good news. So he is well pleased. He approves of Jesus Christ. And verse 18, and he immediately goes back to the testifying. And this is the job of the apostle. The job of the apostle was to communicate about Jesus what the apostles saw about Jesus. You had to see Jesus Christ in a resurrected way and then they testified of that. So, verse 18, And we heard, we akuo, acoustic. This is where we get our English word acoustic. We heard this phone which came from the sky, from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. So again, Thysa, where was this? Oh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right. We, the, the funny thing is, we, the New Testament writers actually renamed whatever it was to that place where that thing happened, <laughs> right? Because I would guess if you have an extraordinarily powerful event that has occurred in your life, whenever you are near that place, you remember that thing, Right? and so they said that's that place where that transformation that transfiguration happened and it and I, I don't know the last time you used the word transfiguration in uh your everyday conversation it doesn't come up in mine in the finance world right uh we well, i would actually say if we're using that that word we're probably going to go to jail soon right because we we shouldn't be transfiguring things that the auditor in the back of the room is going no you, sh- you shouldn't do that right that's not good uh, so they, they renamed this place because of what they saw. Now, verse 19, and so, so we are building off of this truth that Peter has been testifying to. And so we have. Now, we've seen this word um, in verse 15. We're going to see it a couple more times in verse uh, 14, chapter 2. But the word means to hold. To hold. And I, wanna, I just want to spec this out just a little bit here. Uh, it means to be able, to accompany, to begin, to amend, to, to count, uh, to enjoy, to follow, to keep, uh, to rest. So we hold the prophetic, the propheticos. Uh, this is anything pertaining to uh, foretelling, anything pertaining to prophecy or what the, prof- the prophets said so here we go so yep rich prophetic word excellent so what did new testament believers call the old testament right they called it scripture they had several different names for it right they called it scripture the there was the law right and the prophets so the so we, in our English Bibles, we have two major divisions. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And in the time Peter wrote this, the New Testament was not yet complete, but they made gobs of references to the Old Testament. And Jesus, in fact, gave us probably the, the most succinct uh, two categories, and that's what most New Testament believers, how we subdivide the Old Testament. And the, the Jews have three major categories, the the law, the history, and the uh, prophets, uh, and, and they would subdivise each one of those, but we're, we're talking about the Old Testament prophets. This is the word that we have seen used in other parts of the New Testament that talk about things that the prophets said. So the things that the prophets said, so let me ask you a question, who did the prophets testify about? Jesus, right? So who are we, who are we still talking about? We are still talking about Jesus, all right. So we hold on to the prophetic word. And this is what I love. So that God himself comes in flesh, reveals himself, right? Pulls back. A, uh, somehow the glory comes through. I, I, don't, I don't want to demystify this, but the glory comes through. And Jesus in that moment does not say, everything that you've ever had handed to you by the prophets, Disregard. No, no, not at all. He fulfills all of that. It is. It now has physical fulfillment, and and what is going to happen again in the future, at the advent in verse uh, sixteen, is additional physical fulfillment. Right? Jesus is not coming back metaphysically. He's not coming back spiritually. He's coming back physically. And the the Bible talks about a lot of spiritual things, but the Bible, when it talks about the person and work of Jesus Christ, it is a physical work of Jesus Christ. So verse 19, so we hold on to this prophetic word, this Old Testament. What's the next word? Confirmed. This is stable. Your blank is firm. Your blank is firm. All right. Let me tell a story real quick. So did any of you see in the news a couple of weeks ago um, that there was a sinkhole that opened up on highway, right next to Highway 153? Uh, Does anybody know the parking lot that this is in? Firehouse Firehouse subs. Excellent. Very good. Um, So would you like to hear a scary coincidence? So the day before this sinkhole opens up, my wife and I went to... Firehouse subs, because I love me a firehouse sub. Yep, yep. Give me a foot-long hook and ladder any day of the week, I am a happy man. Now, my lack of gallbladder, it does not result in happiness. But it is, it is a fantastic, fantastic sandwich. And the day that we went there, we parked in this parking spot right here. Now, I want you to think for just a second about the last time that you worried that the ground would give way under your feet. When was the last time you worried about that? Did you walk into this room and go, man, I don't know. Whew, this is rough. I gotta, I, well, what do we just do? We just assume the ground is stable, right? Well, yeah, but the interesting thing is that every single time that I see a sinkhole in the Chattanooga area, or I see road construction, or I see someone digging, I am reminded that there are vast pockets of emptiness underneath our feet, and then it makes me queasy for about two seconds, and then I decide I'm going to consciously think about something else because this bothers me. <laughs> and and there are pockets be- below us that can shift and that can be moved. Um, and this this Sunday school lesson means something totally different in California. So, what happens in California? We have, I wasn't going to earthquake, I was going to fire, but okay. We have earthquakes, right? Yeah, the, the ground shifts and moves, and, and, and your sense of stability can be shaken, right? And the word that he uses here, the word that he uses here, uh, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do, the prophetic word confirmed, it means stable. And this is, a, this is an incredibly reassuring concept, right? That, that God's prophecy, because remember, we're still talking about the Old Testament. God's prophecy is firm. It is sure. And in some of your translations, it even says a more sure word. And this is encouraging. And, and, and remember, this is the part of the Bible that I typically look at and go, that can get a little fuzzy, and Peter's going, this is firm, and this is sure, and this is stable. It is not going to give way and cause problems for us, which is great. We can depend on this. Um, we, we assume a lot of things are going to work every single day in America, and I assume the like the, the roads are going to work, because that would be very, <laughs> just kind of helpful, right? Uh, but what's actually going to work, and what we are actually told to Hold on to, is the prophetic word, is the truth of God's scripture. So we have this, we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well. So this is you do honestly, you do. Uh, rec- this is good for you to heed, and this is present active participle. So this is repeatedly heed. I may have skipped ahead pretty good bit in your notes there. To repeatedly heed. So again, we're referring back to this confirmed prophetic word. So we're to repeatedly heed it as a light that shines in a dark place, as this light, as this candle or this light that shines. And again, we have another present participle. It repeatedly shines. So let me ask you a question. When you have darkness and you bring in a light, Which one wins? How often? You sure? Like, but what if it's really, really dark? What if, I mean, like, let me ask you this. What if it's really, really dark? What then? Then light's even brighter. Which is encouraging. Because we have this sure word that we can surely take into really dark places. Until what? Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You're like, what does that mean? It means until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What have we been talking about? we were talking about the advent, the coming of Jesus Christ, right? What might this be talking about? till that day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts the word for morning star is phosphorus this is a glowing things these are light bearing things um, verse 20 knowing this is present active participle so this is repeatedly knowing repeatedly knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation so I want to camp out here for just a minute that no prophecy, now this is a, a different word uh, than is used in the prior verse, but this is an extraordinarily similar word, prophetia, uh, of Scripture. This is, the, this is everything in the Old Testament. We're not limited to just the uh, prophets, but no prophecy of Scripture is of any private. The definition here is pertaining to self. And there, there may be some of you that get really nervous around the word interpretation. Um, I, I'm saddened by how this word is abused in Christianity. Uh, because interpretation does not mean uh, what does the Bible, w- what does that mean to you? And then whatever you answer is correct. And that is not what the word interpretation means. Uh, the word, the definition of the word means explanation. It means explanation. So the verse, so repeatedly knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any self explanation. So I want you to go to Nehemiah eight for just a sec. Nehemiah eight. So what I don't want you to do when I read this is I don't want you to get bogged down in the names. Okay? Don't get bogged down in the names because there's some doozies in here. All right? But this is uh, Ezra. And and just FYI, Ezra and Nehemiah knew each other. Um, Ezra is going to read the law. Uh, and, And when I say the law, I mean... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Like, all of that. He's going to read it out loud. So this is, the, this is the story of him reading it out loud. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah. And at his left hand, Padaiah, Mishael, Micaiah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, "Amen, amen," while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodijah, Masia, Kalita. Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Here it is. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Now, Nehemiah 8, 1 through 8, and 2 Peter 1, verse 20, is what we do in Sunday school. We read the Bible, and my goal every single week is that you understand the reading. And that's it. That's the goal. I don't want to do anything more than that. I do not want you to walk away and going, well, Jim thinks that ah, that's all going to burn. <laughs> all right, My opinion about this book will not be present in heaven. <laughs> all right. That will not matter. This book will be present. So we want to read distinctly and give the sense and the meaning. Yes, ma'am. thank you yes 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 like um, so I don't want you all to think that we just haphazardly came across this looks like a good approach no I firmly believe it is a, is a literally a Bible-based approach to teaching the Bible. Like, we are going to talk about this, and we're going to, and I, I try really hard to say the words properly. And it got up all in my grill that I inserted, and some of you might have caught it, I inserted a we in Second Peter chapter 1 when I read it initially this morning. It drove me nuts. It's like, oh, I missed it. Like, that's literally one of the three things that I want to do. I wanna read the text, I wanna explain it and make sure you understand the meaning. And that's it. Now, let's go back to Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty. So, no prophecy of Scripture, the Old Testament prophecies, do not have a private interpretation. They do not have a private explanation. Verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So I want to challenge you with something. In no way, shape, or form do I want you to go home and think that you cannot read the Bible by yourself, that you cannot study the Bible by yourself. But I want you to be very, very, very careful to consider that what we do individually on our own We need a group, a community, a church to do that with. God never told anybody, go take the Bible and squirrel yourself away all by yourself and come up with whatever you think it means to you. That is not how this is supposed to work. Even Ezra, when he stood up, what did he have with him on his right hand and on his left hand? He had other men who were going to do the same. They're going to come and read the text and explain the text and make sure people understood what is going on. This is a collective effort. This is a group project. So for those of you that were like me, that hated group projects in school, guess what? Christianity is a group project. Now we have a singular head. (laughs) Don't don't, don't mistake me, right? (laughs) That leadership is not a group project in Christianity. Like we have a leader and he has a name and his name is Jesus. Uh, But the, the application and the explanation of this is not supposed to be one person. And when, when I read the Old Testament, I should not go, wow, that verse is for me and for nobody else in the whole universe. That's a, that's a real dangerous way to approach the Scripture. Because Scripture is us. A couple years ago, if you look at... Uh, flip over to the last page of your handout... We'll come back and do the other blanks. Don't worry. <clears throat> but do you see the apply section? What is the point? Uh, the reason we have an apply section is because the definition of the word interpretation uh, also means application. That's why we have an apply section, because of that definition of that word. Uh, and the personalize is, so what do... Can you just circle the word we there for me? Because for years and years and years, I taught this class, and I this was what do... I do with that. And I became deeply convicted a few years ago about that these commands are for us. Everything from when the disciples said, "Lord, teach us to pray to the commands that God gives us, it's about us. So that was my rabbit trail on why we do Sunday school the way we do Sunday school. Uh, verse 21. For prophecy, the same word used in verse 20, uh, never came by the will. uh, A a good definition for this word is the choice, that's your blank, by the choice of man. And if you're familiar with any of the prophets, you should probably laugh a little bit at this because many of the prophets were quite irritated at God uh, numerous times for the word that they were commanded to go give. Um, and I think Peter is trying to say here, uh, it, it wasn't because Isaiah was really happy that he said, "Let's go say these things," or uh, or Jonah. I mean, right? I mean, he's just he's like the most depressed, suicidal missionary ever. He's just awful. Um, I taught a series on Jonah, and that was the that was the subtitle: of suicidal missionary." <laughs> He kind of was. If you you read it through that lens, it makes sense. All right. So for prophecy never came by the choice of man, but wholly set apart for something specific. Men of God spoke as they were moved. And this is present active participle. So repeatedly moved they were repeatedly moved by the holy spirit so whenever you hear somebody say oh yeah 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 like god gave them an idea once of what to write and then they sat down and they wrote it all out no 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 that is not what the bible says the bible uses the present passive participle Passive means something was acting upon them. This was not an active participle. This is a passive participle. And the present participle means they were repeatedly moved. So Isaiah is writing this out and he is moved. And he writes more and he is moved. And he writes more and he is moved. And he is. Mo- this was not a, like the Holy Spirit, hey, you should write something about the future and then he's gone. No, no, no. This is repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly moved. Don't miss the verb parsings. If you miss the verb parsings, we miss a lot of stuff about theology, so don't skip it. All right, application. Application number one, uh, Scripture is sure. S-U-R-E. Scripture is sure. You can bank on it. Scripture is never going to leave you in a hole in the parking lot of a restaurant that makes fantastic sub sandwiches. It is never going to do that to you. It is sure. You can bank on it. You can count on it. So, what do we do with that? Well, number one, I would say we believe Scripture uh, more than things that we see. Because it will be true when all of the things that we see are gone. Uh, Application number two the Father approved of Jesus. I, I don't want us to miss this. This is a really big point that the Holy God of the universe approved of the Holy God of the universe. Uh, so place our circle the word our there under the personalized number two place our faith in Jesus and then application number three scripture is to be explained publicly no private explanations allowed so what do we do for that gather publicly for the explanation It is shocking to me how many of the New Testament commands cannot be fulfilled if we are off in the woods worshiping God on our own. Like, like, don't deceive yourself in thinking that that is obedience, because it is not. We have to gather to obey. So that's the lesson for today. Next week is only three verses. It's a short paragraph. Yes, it is. So uh, please read next week's text multiple times in multiple ways. Talk to somebody uh, and invite somebody. We have open seats. And if we need more, Justin will put up more tables and it will be okay. So invite your friends. They need to hear truth as well. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Uh, Your weekly update is on the table. Look over those, update any of those prayer requests, um, and then uh, pray as a table and you are dismissed. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.